Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. It's 133 in Edmonton along with Brendan Escott. You're listening to Oilers Now. Again, an optional today for Edmonton. Uh, they have a home and home coming up, the Battle of Alberta. They're in Calgary tomorrow. Flames coming off a 5-1 home ice loss to Vancouver, and then Jeff Ward lit them up. Uh, basically uh, said that the team's intensity level needs to be better. Uh, Oilers will go into that game without Zach Cassian. One guy who knows a lot about the Battle of Alberta and a lot about uh, the f- importance of the physical impetus on the game and maybe whether or not we're seeing less than that than ever before is Edmonton's sporting icon, Montreal-based media personality. We welcome back to the show, George LaRock. Hello, George. How are you? How's everything, Bob? Uh, not bad. I mean, the Oilers are, they started three and six, George, and they've won seven of their last nine. So they're coming around a bit, and they now have two goaltenders. Uh, Mike Smith's given them three pretty good starts. Would probably like to have a goal or two back in the other game. But, uh, you know, 38-year-old goalie who can really handle a puck, and they're, they're, they're playing okay. And, oh, by the way, this McDavid guy, George, he's pretty good. You know what I mean? My, my God, I, I like, it's amazing that one of his idols, when he was a kid, he joined them with two assists last game, like in 500 points in the same amount of game as Sid did. So, and he's also, I like the fact that he says that, you know, he wants more than that, obviously, right? He wants the cup also. If you want to be compared to Crosby, you also have to win. You can't just have points. And he knows that, and he wants to get there, which is awesome. You know that with him, he's going to do his best to bring a cup back to Edmonton. But you know what? I must say that. Mike Smith, I'm kind of surprised uh, about his contribution because, you know, like ever since he's been back, uh, for a guy that has been playing for a while, he's been really good. He's been, uh, he's been pl- giving the goaltending that the others needed. And, uh, and to me, that's a surprise because last year in the playoff, I was so disappointed that I, w- I wasn't expecting much from him. But so far, he's been really good. Well, in fairness, George, he had he had a bad December during the the nineteen twenty season, but he had he had pretty decent numbers other than that month, and he really struggled in that month. But he only played like a 
period and a half or whatever against Chicago, and he hadn't played for four and a half months. You know what I mean? And I just, I just wonder whether or not for a guy like I wonder if it's different for a guy at like 23, 24 that doesn't have kids going through the pandemic than for a guy that was 37 at the time that has you know multiple children and is helping his uh, wife out, the family. He was in Cologne at the time, and I, I, I you know, and he came back. I'm wondering if it's difficult to judge. Uh, you know, I mean, look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost too, and you you called it. You 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 thought Pittsburgh could lose that series, maybe because of uh, Murray. Uh, you know, yeah. you told fans that. But I I, I I think maybe sometimes we overestimate um, short term results. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, we do, we do. And the guy, right. George, yeah. the guy, the guy is a great athlete. Like he's in unbelievable shape. He's, he's really in terrific condition right now. So I'm not saying he's going to keep this up the rest of the way. There's a lot of fans here, George, that are like, hold on here. Let's just see how they do during the balance of the season. But, I, George, i got to ask you this. I mean, you're in Montreal. they got Price and they got Jake Allen. Are we now seeing you got to have two goalies? Oh, man, like especially when the schedule is congested like this. You do. But now it's not just that. It's what we have to realize is, you know, the days back when Grant Fjord could play 76 game or almost every game and, and Martin Brodeur is different because guys are too good now. They, too, they shoot too hard. There's too much passing and too much stuff. And it's too, the games are more demanding for goalies now than back then. And if you have a number one goalie that plays too many games, at the end of the season, come to the playoff, you'll be done. So the market for goaltending price is going to go up. Because now, because a lot of teams are looking for one, and now, like, and you, you know them well, then when there's something missing, teams going to pay, pay, like, pay a lot of money to be able to get one. And, and when I say a lot of money, I'm talking about a lot of players, draft, and, and first-rounder and stuff. Like Flurry, for example, like, you look at Vegas, I'm, I'm not sure they could keep both Leonard and Flurry next year. And to be honest with you, I, I think that with the way Flurry is playing now, uh, they have a dilemma in terms of who they're going to keep next year or not. They won't keep both because of the salary cap is too much to keep both. But they did a good thing this year of keeping it because on a short schedule like this with tons of back-to-back games, having a good tandem is very important because deep down is going to be making a difference. Watch this. In a playoff, each team that have really good, uh, good tandems of goalies, they're the one that's going to go far because – you have no choice to play the second goalie sometime in some of those games because you can't, like last year in the playoff, that's what happened. Some teams, they play both their goalies in the playoff to make sure they don't burn one because there's too many games back-to-back and you don't want to burn your number one goalie out and you have to be able to trust the second goalie. And this season, to make the playoff, your second goalie has to have a share of games to play. So that's why it's so different that I think that now in the future, even though the backup won't play as many games as they will do as this year, you're going to have to find really good goalies for the future because teams know that you could lose playoff position with just having a bad backup goalie. We're joined by George LaRock. George, think back to the 05-06 season. You guys had uh, Ty Conklin, UC Markkinen, and even Mike Morrison. And if I uh, and and it wasn't till Kevin Lowe made the trade to get Dwayne Rollison. Like, did you guys think in the room when you got that trade made? Hey, we because you had some pretty. This is before 
you know, hardcore analytics were out there available for hockey, right? But you guys were a decent five-on-five hockey club. The power play wasn't killer, but you had a pretty good club. Did you guys think you might be able to make some noise once you got rolling? Uh, well, what, when we're trying on everyone, you know, like with, with that team, we kind of knew that if we made the playoff, that we could go far. Because remember, we battled to make the playoff. We finished last. And we, it was a battle into the playoff. And what, what they say with teams that are battling to make it to the playoff, uh, they are in playoff mode already. As Detroit was cruising, you know, in their first place, we're in playoff mode. And what happened when you play, when you play a team that's been playing playoff for over a month just to make it to the playoff? They're a dangerous team to play in a playoff in the first round because we already played with the pressure for a long time and, and our intensity that we've had, they couldn't match that and we beat them. So, But yeah, with a goalie like that, it, it, again, and I say it again and I hate saying it, but if he didn't get hurt, he wouldn't have just won the cup, but he would have won the Conn Smythe. And, uh, you know, and ever since then, we haven't had a good goalie, a number one goalie like Rawson since the time that he was there. Yeah, uh, George LaRock joining us right now. George, uh, Neil Pionk was very physical against both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. He's, he's an undersized guy. Uh, there was, and he's he's not, a, I mean, Josh Archibald tore him apart in a scrap a couple of years ago, but he was very effective. You used to play against a defenseman in Detroit that used to get guys all the time. He'd pinch down the wall and... Uh, obliterate guys with hits. He, you know, he knocked Alex Hemsky, smoked him one time. But I do recall if I, you know, you're a pretty clean player, but you did get a piece of Nicholas Cronwell one time. And I think you got, did you, was that was that the one you got suspended for? Yes, I, I uh, by accident. But, you know, I went to hit him. And, and you know, the, the bad reflex when you're about to miss a guy and you get him in the knees and uh, he had to get me surgery. So I got five games for this. It's funny because a lot of players were like, this is justice for all the guys that he's hurt over the years. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I didn't intend. You know me. I was never a guy that tried to injure guys. So, you right. know, things happened. But a lot of guys said, you know, and they knew how I was as a person. I, I never tried to hurt guys like that. But a lot of guys said it was karma coming back to him because, man, that guy, like, he hurt a lot of guys with his uh, open eyes, body checking and stuff. Yeah, well, he was uh, he was a guy that had people like I, I remember he got the one year Lupul was in Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton was playing Detroit, and he came. Uh, Lupul went up the wall, and Cronwall pinched on the play, and Lupul just got the puck, and he got flattened. And then JF Jocks went in there, and uh, JF was uh, a big kid. He wasn't as good a fighter as you, but he was certainly capable and willing. Pretty, you know, he had a chance to be a player, and he did a he did a. Uh, a bit of a number on him so it just it, it, it made me and, and I, that's interesting so you did have other players around the league that weren't that disappointed that you got a piece of Cronwall eh? yeah like you know things like this when they when, when they arrive around the league stuff like this and, and guys get in bad position if something happens they always we always text each other we say something like we have comments on it uh, depending if you know the guy or whatever people would joke on stuff that happened and, and, you know, that's the way it is. You know, the NHL is a big family, right? So when something happens, sometimes people always have things to say and the different perspective. Like, I'll give you another example. And that one was not a good one. But when Brash got slashed in the head by McSorley, I started getting tons of texts too. And, and people, they were pretty upset, right? Like, they were pretty, like, because it was my team. You know, Edmonton was my team. So people started asking me about, 
what's going on and all that stuff because, you know, they knew, they kind of felt that because I was with the others that I would know, like, what happened and what's going on and stuff, right? So yeah. any incident that happened, guys around the league, we talk to each other and we want to know what's going on and, and, and we keep everyone in the loop. Well, and, and, and Donald Brashear sometimes would upset opposition fighters, would he not? George, is that fair to oh, say? That, that guy, that guy... If I if I would name you one guy that unanimously that if all the NHL fighters had to vote the guy they hated the most they would say him, and the reason why is because he was one of the best ones in history in, in terms of doing the job right he was tough, but often what he would do is if a guy like let's say uh, I won't name names but a guy a rookie that would come up to him that rookie that plays maybe one or two minutes a game right. And you go up to him and say, that, hey, Donald, could we go? And he'd say stuff like, go back to the bench. You're not worth my time. You're not playing. You're not. He would do stuff like that. And I never said no to any heavyweight that wanted to make a name for himself. And you know, you saw it. Whether it's Andrew Peters, uh, uh, Reed, uh, Fedorik, all those guys that came into the league, that Bolton, they, they, they knew that were going to come after me. They didn't play much when they started. I could have said no. And then because they didn't play much or whatever, but I always give him the chance because, you know, Twist, Probert, Domi, all those guys gave him my chance when I came in when they were towards another career. But 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 Brashard, because he didn't do that, and often he didn't treat his pair with enough respect when you have the toughest job in professional sport, because of that, a lot of guys didn't like him because of that, and he made them look bad. So, you know, you say no to these guys, but you run around, you know, to make that guy look bad and stuff, right? So because of antics like this, a lot of guys didn't respect him. But you have to respect the fact that he still was one of the toughest in history. Yeah, well, he lasted a long uh, time in his NHL career. Uh, we're joined right now by George LaRock, who was the reigning heavyweight champion in the National Hockey League for a number of years. Edmonton plays the Calgary Flames, George. Um Back-to-back this weekend, they do not have Zach Cassian, who has been a central figure uh, in the resurgence of the Battle of Alberta. I mean, it, let's face it, it was Zach and, and Matthew Kachuk, and it's funny how the Kachuk brothers, wherever they are, they're involved, and they're both terrific players. Do you think it'll be, do you think it'll be different for Edmonton not having Cassian in the lineup? Well, first of all, I think it's going to be a split. Just to start, each team is going to win one game. They're really, uh, you know, they're, they're really good. They're both really good teams, and you know, Marshall is obviously a bit different with Calgary. So I think that Smith's going to get one game, and and Koskinen will probably get the other one. So they'll win one of the two. But I don't know if without Cassian is going to change that much because it would be too obvious. Like think of it, Cassian's not there all of a sudden, and out Kachuk, and everybody's going to want want to run the entire Edmonton Oilers out of the building. You know, if you do that, people will be like, "What were you the game that he was there?" You know, sometimes the obvious is like makes it too obvious. So I think we'll we'll see two really good games. And uh, the fact that Cassian is not there is just, you know, it'll take off some a bit of physicality. But because Edmonton has been playing better lately, and uh, they're really good fast skating team, then I think Calgary will play their game, and uh, we'll be, we'll be seeing some close matchup. But I don't I don't envisage like I don't think we're going to be uh, seeing a war or anything like that out there. George, uh, Milan Lucic played three seasons in Edmonton. I know that when he was with Edmonton, he had quiet games against Los Angeles and Boston. How hard is it to play your former team, especially when, you know, you spend two or three seasons and you know all the guys in the other room? And you're supposed to provide a little bit of a physical role. 
Well, you know, I, I could just go back to, you know, when I was in Phoenix and I went back playing Hamilton, and Zach Stortini was there. That's the guy they took to replace me. And uh, when I was there, and I loved Hamilton so much, and, and the team, and remember, I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay. But Kevin Logan didn't want to give me a no-trade clause because I know he wanted to sign me to trade me. So, and you worked more in that way, right? So, anyway, when I came back to Edmonton, you know, if I was a vengeful person, I, I could have just given it to, uh, to Stortini, and then everybody could be like, oh, my God, uh, look, we got the wrong tough guy. But I love Edmonton so much that I didn't want him to look bad. I didn't go after him. I didn't hit anyone. I didn't want to hurt anyone because I love the city so much, and I always went back there in the summer that I was like, you know what? This is the team that drafted that gives me everything, and I'm not going to make them look bad. I'm not going to hurt anyone. So uh, that's it. I, I was like, they cheat me every time I touch the puck. Like, so what are we going to do? I'm going to go level someone? So I start getting booed? If, I think if I got booed, if I went back to Edmonton, I would have cried, man. It would have been the hardest thing ever. So, yeah, for me, it was the hardest thing. I don't know how Luchik, how attached he is to the city, because I was drafted by the Oilers and everything that I've ever right. known, and my best year was in Edmonton, so it's completely different. My best memory was there. The hatchet was there in the building. My relationship with the fans, staying with the fans after the game to sign autographs after every game, everything I did in the city, it was completely different. So for him, I'm not sure. Actually, I'm the opposite. If I was him, because I would, I would view this trade as a team that gives up on me, and I would want that make want them make them pay. So I think for him it could be different that he has more of a point to prove. As for me, I didn't want to go. So that's totally different. So you have to ask him, and for him it's hard to play against. It's All right, teammates or not. You talked about watching uh, Connor McDavid, and you know he's tied Sidney Crosby. They both now have 501 points in 369 games. Of course. Sid's a great player, great all-around player. He's got the cups. He did benefit in that 05-06 year, George. There were a ton of five-on-threes. I think Connor's actually got about at least 50 more even-strength points. Uh, Sid got a lot more in the power play. But you watch Sidney on a day-to-day basis. Can you maybe educate our listeners on just how hard this guy worked at his craft, how hard he worked at his game to improve the weaker parts uh, You know, in, in, in what he needed to get better at? There's actually two things similar to both of them. I remember when I talked to David Pelsian and he was talking about Kenny McDavid, and David Pelsian, when he was doing the skating lessons to the guy, he said the two hardest workers were McDavid and Dreisaitl. And actually, McDavid, you think he does not improve his skating, he's the fastest player in the world, but he still did. He always wanted to be faster, and he worked on it. When I was in Pittsburgh, Michel Terrain was the coach, and he had to fight with Crosby to get him off the ice. He was the first guy on the ice and first guy off the ice. The guy was a machine. He was always on there. Because of Sid, we couldn't take any optional. Gary, Gary Robert was seven years old, and he couldn't take an optional because the best player on the ice was always on the ice. He's like, Sid, come on, man. I need to take an optional. Stop going on the ice. You make it off. all look bad. So because of him, every optional was full practice because we all had to skate <laughs> because he was always, always there. And he worked on everything. I, he, he, even with me, he wanted to know how to defend himself, how to fight. So I would jump the glove with him and show him how to defend himself. He wanted to be the best in everything. And it was amazing how hard that, that this kid worked and how he always wanted to win and how he always wanted to score and how hard he always tried in practice. 
and that's why he's the best in the world. That's why, that's why you see that. Obviously, a guy that comes to the NHL, right, there's some guys that will be more talented than others. But the thing is, what differentiates the fact that those guys that are talented are the top of the league, the best in the league for, like, years is the work ethic. Because we've seen, there's many guys in the NHL right now that you, you can look at, like Jack Ackle, for example. He has all the talent in the world. But does he have the work ethic of a McDavid, of a, you know, of, of, of a Crosby? No, he doesn't. Because if he did, he surely would have done something better with Buffalo than he has done. And it was, people are really talking about his reputation already and stuff, right? Because being good and putting up points is one thing. But putting your heart on the line and stuff and be there when it counts the most, that's what differentiates the best players from others. Because the ones that do so, they're the ones that carry their team to the other level. George, great passion. We love it. We'll hook up next Thursday, all right? Have a great week. Thanks, brother. You too. You bet that is George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon, Montreal-based radio personality, and, of course, uh, the former heavyweight champion of the NHL. We go to the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Oilers GM says, Bob, not only are we going to miss Cassie in the next two games, but we missed him in the last two with Pionk running around taking liberties with our stars. Nothing dirty, but definitely on the borderline and getting away with it. I did not like that from Oilers GM. I actually thought the Oilers targeted Kyle Connor a bit last night. I think Nurse got called. And it's a six foot four guy hitting a, a six footer, and it was a Mickey Mouse call, no question about it, that gave Winnipeg their second power play. And then they blew the one on the third power play in the first period, which led to the goal. All right. Uh, we will tell you Royal Pizza pizza pasta and so much more edmonton owned an operator for over 50 years royal pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 edmonton and area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the royal pizza app from the app store stop for recommendation mediterranean chicken to the Stan Oilers history for dennis and jason alberti and the gang at new west travel and back at the 630 Chad Studios is Brendan Escott. Creeping up to that time of the year, Bob, where pretty well everything is a Gretzky statistic or record. Uh, this day in 1981, Gretzky scores four third-period goals. Five in total as the Oilers route the St. Louis Blues 9-2. to Those four goals tied an NHL record for most in one period. What is Reed Wilkins, by the way, on the state three years ago? Connor McDavid scored a hat trick against Colorado. Uh, McDavid was the first star in all three games between Edmonton and Colorado that year. That's the year McDavid led the league in scoring, uh, but finished fifth in uh, MVP voting. He had the most even strength goals that year, led the league in scoring. He was the first star in all three games against Colorado, and one of the Colorado riders did not have McDavid on his top five ballot. I guess the guy didn't like what he saw in the three games that McDavid played against Colorado that year. What does uh, Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports have? You're going to hear uh, actually from goaltending consultant Adam Francilia, who has worked with Mike Smith in this offseason in particular. Uh, you'll hear from former Briar and uh, world champion and current director of events for Curling Canada. That's Nolan Thiessen, who uh, discusses uh, Calgary's bubble. They're hosting the Scotties Tournament of Hearts uh, starting tomorrow. And Conservative Member of Parliament Kevin Wog out of Saskatoon on his bill that would legalize single-game sports betting in Canada. Now, is Kevin an old sportscaster? For some reason, I, that name sounds familiar. Coming up tomorrow, we are packed. Let me tell you. Elliot Freeman, NHL Hockey and Rogers for the River Cree Resort and Casino. Quick hit with uh, Oilers uh, television radio play-by-play voice Jack Michaels. Oh, Calgary Flames general manager Brad Treleman will join us on tomorrow's show. 
and a guy that George LaRock once fought. It didn't go very well for him. Former NHLer, worked for a number of years with the L.A. Kings, Western Hockey League tough guy Brent Myers on his new book, Painkiller. All that coming up tomorrow. Up next, after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, the 6.30 Chet Afternoons is going to be joined by a special co-host, Daryl McIntyre. Makes his 6.30 Chet hosting debut alongside Jalen Nye today between 2 and 6. Have a tremendous Thursday, everybody. So long. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chet.